Good morning. Welcome to Grace Presbyterian. I'm Pastor Ryan. This morning we're introducing a new series called Caution, Let the Body Beware. We're going to be addressing the hidden dangers within the faith and how we as Christians can pursue life by trying to avoid them. This morning's topic is the topic of religion and the way in which it's so easy to fall into the traps and patterns of manufacturing our own righteousness. We hope that it's an encouragement to you as you listen. Thanks for listening. Well, the Olympics are over. I'm not sure what to watch on TV now. Uh, but there was, a, there was an interesting report I saw from the news. Uh, can, can anyone recall back a few months before the Olympics were going to come to fruition, there was a new mosquito-borne illness, a disease that, uh, that was a terrible disease. Who, what's it called? Anyone remember? Zika, that's right. And uh, this, this pathogen would come in and it would destroy uh, not those who are alive, but the unborn, the, those who are in utero, in, in, uh, in the womb incredibly evil type of disease to enter our world. And the concern was, don't go to Rio, right? Because they got that there. Uh, Some uh, 1,600 cases reported through the country. And if you went to the Olympics, you knew that you were going to be in trouble. So the the, uh, powers that be that put out a warning. Hey, hey, watch out. Be be careful. Uh, Pay attention. Because this could affect you. This could hurt you. This could stop life from happening. Uh, the news report that I saw said uh, it, it counted the number of cases that were reported during the Olympics. Do you know the number? Zero. There wasn't a single case of Zika virus throughout the entire Olympics for any spectator. That, that must have been an accident, right? That must have just happened by accident. And, and clearly it didn't. And all of us can understand, obviously... The reason why this went the way it should is because what did people do to the warning? They listened. And if you read the report, I'm sure if you Google this, you'll see that the officials throughout the the city, they went to 80 to 85% of all the buildings. They sprayed for mosquitoes. They did everything they could to protect against this evil that was coming. Because they paid attention to the warning. Because they paid attention to the caution. I'd like to start a new series about four Sundays starting today that focus on a warning to the church. For there are things that will enter into our assembly, that will, that will come here and will kill us. They will destroy us. They will cause life and the potential for life to be destroyed. Uh, I'm, I'm titling the series, uh, Caution, Let the Body Beware. And there are a few main subjects that we have to give our attention to. Uh, I brought with me this morning um, this beautiful bowl. Isn't this beautiful? Lovely, right? Where, where would you put this? Go ahead, shout out. Where, where would you display something? Yeah, that would be in a, in a cabinet, right? Maybe you could put it on a, a, the centerpiece of your table, fill it with oranges and all, all kinds of wonderful things. Um, Take a look at what's on the inside. What's on the inside there? Take a, take a smell. Would, would you want to use this now? Well, I thought it was so lovely. The, you see, the outside was so lovely, but, but you didn't stop to look at what's on the inside. I, I didn't have time to put anything else in there, but you know, you guys get the point, right? Like the purpose of a bowl is not what's on the outside, even though what's on the outside is what everyone sees. It loses its function. It loses its purpose 
If the inside is putrid, if the inside has failed, um, I'm thankful to Tom for his message this morning. What, what was it? It's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. Guess what, folks? It's what's on the inside that matters. And the, the caution that I, I need to bring out this morning, that which we need to give our attention to, something that Jesus was extremely passionate about, speaks throughout the Gospels on it. And it's the danger of the people of God, instead of approaching God in love, humility, and sincerity, we think we can approach God through what is commonly referred to simply as religion. Religion. It might be helpful for me to provide a definition of what I mean by religion. Here's what I mean. Religion is the cultural or local traditions in matters of faith and origins that entrap mankind into manufactured righteousness. Kind of a lengthy definition. I'll say it again. It's the cultural or local traditions in matters of faith and in origin that entrap mankind into manufactured righteousness. It's as simple as this. Thinking that you can come to church and you're okay with God. Simple as this. Thinking that if you put money in the plate, God's pleased with you. That you wear a certain type of outfit. That you follow a certain kind of code. That anything that would characterize the outside of you would determine your right standing before God. I had a student when I worked at, on the mission field, I graduated a few years ago, and after class, I taught science class, and afterwards he and his friend would sit and they would ask me just the best questions about life. Uh, why is God like this? And how, how come this happens? And recently, he's now in college, he sent me an email, got a hold of my email address, and sent me an email that he was having a debate with someone, an atheist, somebody who doesn't believe in God at all. And uh, I want to read for you just a little excerpt of this email. Uh, the, the debate went with the atheist saying, Isn't religion the number one cause of hatred and suffering in this world? This is why many have turned away from religion. And, and the non-believer, the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ, characterizes your faith as religion. You're just like the rest. You're just like everybody else. You, you, you pretend to look holy, but really deep down on the inside, you're the same as the rest of us, but you act one way and you persecute others and you look down upon them just to build yourself up. That's religion, ain't it? It's caused pain throughout the world. Uh, this ex-student of mine, here was his response. Check this out. He says, you claim that religion is the cause of hatred and suffering, and I somewhat agree. I'm not denying that religion tends to divide people. But Christianity is the exact opposite. It is love. We are taught to love one another, to put others before ourselves, to go the extra mile for each other. Think of how the world would be if we all did that. I'm sitting reading this email this week saying, that's going in my sermon. That was, that was good. <laughs> it's so easy for us to miss this, though. It's the kind of thing that... We don't catch. We need a warning, church. We, we need a caution on this. You, you may run the risk of falling into a trap of religion simply because you never had a pastor that said, hey, watch out! you got to look out for this in your life. I promise you'll be tempted. 
at the moment where you want to be devoted to God to just lay it all back onto religion and go through the motions. Because it's easier. Because it doesn't require vulnerability. Because it doesn't require confession. And religion will always, will always divide. Jesus had a lot to say about this. Um, He's going to speak to the most religious people of his day. These are guys that did nothing else but teach the scriptures. They were called teachers of the law. And some of them had a profession. They had a special name. Does anyone know what it is? They were called Pharisees. That was their name. If you were a Pharisee, you were up here. You you, you knew you had it together. I'm not even in my text yet this morning, but I've got to read this to you. Uh, If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 23. I'm not going to provide any commentary on it. I simply want you to listen to Jesus' words. It'd be ignorant of us to walk into this building today and think that Jesus only wants me to be happy and Jesus only loves me and that's all it means to know Jesus because Jesus is really interested in correcting wrong more than anywhere for people who think they're religious. If you look through the Gospels, you won't find Jesus lambasting the sinners He doesn't come with a word saying, man, you sinners, get it together. He doesn't say that. Do you know where his tone gets real angry? Do you know know when Jesus really is going to let them have it? It's not to the sinners. It's not to those who know they're struggling. It's to those who think they're righteous because they've fallen into a pattern of religion. Matthew chapter 23. Just just listen and follow along to Jesus' words. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their flaccorades wide and the tassels on their garments long. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats at the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have only one master and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth Father, for you have one Father, and He is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you is to be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And then when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple... He's bound by his oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he's bound by his oath. You blind men. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? 
Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside, they are full of greed, self-indulgence, blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. I mean, I could go on. Does this sound like Jesus means business here? He's, he's talking to the guys who think that they figured God out. That God is a bunch of, just follow the rules, just look like this. And when you do, you will produce within yourself a desire such that other people will look and see how great I am. Because I am working my own manufactured righteousness. It comes because of the Great stuff that I do. That's a trap, church. That's a trap. And look, if there's a trap that's set, you've got to have somebody who knows the lay of the land to say, hey, watch out. You've got to watch out for this. You've got to be aware of this. We as a church need to be aware of this. I'm, uh, I still got a little bit more to say on this topic. I want you to see the difference of it. I want to make sure there's no confusion over this. Religion is like spiritual medication. It's self-deception as opposed to true worship. You ever get a a drug or something from um, the pharmacy? It doesn't really cure the problem. It just makes the symptoms go away. You know what I'm talking about? That's what religion is. Religion doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't get to the core, the root of the disease. It just makes you feel a little bit better. You're still going to die from the disease. Do you hear Jesus' words of the Pharisees? They, you travel all over to make somebody a convert, but when you, somebody becomes a convert, you make them twice as much a son of hell. You're lost, forsaken of God, still in your sin, but guess what? You sure think you're doing good. That's self-deception. That's spiritual medication. That's not true worship. Religion is pursuing a better life on earth Versus surrendering your life to Christ. Matthew says in chapter 16, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever, and whoever loses their life for me will find it. Religion. And, and, and I'm coming to church and I'm doing good and you're okay and I'm okay. You know what that will produce? That will keep you pursuing just a better life here on earth. That's why I go to church. Just so I can feel good. So, you know, preacher, tell me something good that I can take with me. That's religion. Jesus came to break the bonds of religion that we would come to him without the need to say, I better get something out of this. But rather to say, you are all of this. Just like the choir saying, remember, Jesus is all. Lord of all. Religion is manufactured righteousness. It doesn't take much to look holy. You, you can go buy that at JCPenney. 
can go pay to get the, your hair cut, and you, you can carry a bigger Bible than I have, and you can, you can look holy. It's not hard. It's, man, it's faith, though. It's manufactured righteousness. And that's what religion will produce. Manufactured righteousness versus life-transforming relationship. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Look, you, you want to go this route? You want to go the route of religion? Then guess what? Your righteousness has got to go better than that of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. So you got your work cut out for you. Old Testament prophets say that your acts of righteousness before God, guess what they're like? You know what they're like? They're like filthy rags. That's what it's like. The best that we can do. Man, I'm praying every I'm praying every morning. I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm, I'm giving my money away to everybody. God must really like me. You know what God thinks about those acts of righteousness? That is filth. Throw it in the trash. That is filth. You're just making yourself feel better. I want to give you a warning this morning, church. I got to say caution. We got to beware of this. I want to try to answer the question How is religion one of the greatest dangers that the church needs to be aware of? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And I've spent a lot of my time just here kind of getting my point across on this. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, we're not going to do a lot of commentary through this passage. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to go straight to my conclusions. I'm really going to encourage you to pay attention because i got four conclusions and one application after this. Matthew chapter 7, we'll read through it, very briefly look at this, but everywhere we've been so far this morning, I know that you're going to pick this up real quick. Jesus in chapter... 7 verse 15 starts out with these words. Watch out. What's that? But the title of this sermon series, right? Heads up! Caution! Beware! Watch out! For false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit... You will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus... By their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. The, the Bible's hard sometimes, right? This, this hard. I know I, I have heard from people and I really would love to just believe, you know what, everybody's going to heaven. Hey, I ever, God's love is so great. 
It doesn't matter if you believe this or that. You know, everybody's going. But look at the context with me here just a moment because context is really important. Jump back just to verse 13 and look what Jesus says. Because I can't take my feeling. I can't give, I'm going to warn you, church, don't build your theology off my feeling. Look at Jesus' words, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And it's within that context, this warning to say, look, everybody wishes they go to heaven, but look, there's a lot of people who think they are, but guess what they're doing? They're following religion. They're following the practices of denomination. They don't know Jesus. They don't know Him. they got a lot of things they think they're doing well. In fact, they'll list them for you. But they miss the narrow gate. Here, you ready? Here are my conclusions. Number one is this. I call it the commandeering. You know what commandeering means? Or watch those like action movies. Cop says, I'm commandeering this motorcycle. It's hard, right? It means to take possession or control without authority. Uh, that's, that's the first thing I see, that the name of Jesus is easily hijacked. The name of Jesus is easily commandeered and used for whatever purposes you want. Verse 21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, I'm I'm calling on the Lord. I'm doing this in Jesus' name. I'm working for Jesus. We're collecting this money for Jesus. Hold on, time out. Because you know what's really easy to do? It's really easy to just take Jesus' name and do whatever you want. I'm praying for a new car and Jesus. Now that's silly, but what about the real things that we pray for and then stick Jesus' name on the end? The first thing i got to share with you, church, is that it's really easy to just commandeer the name of Jesus. Just hijack it and make you use it for whatever you want. Second conclusion is this. I call it the counterfeit. You know something in counterfeit? It's something that looks real, right? But what? But it isn't. It's something that looks correct, but it isn't. Verse 15 kind of lays this out. Verse 21 as well. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in what? Yeah, man, if I got, you know, he's using a metaphor here, right? Everybody get the idea? A, a sheep, it doesn't mean like an actual sheep. He means it looks what? Safe or dangerous? Yeah, you look safe, yeah. They come to you clothed, these false guys. These guys who are wrapped up in greed and selfishness and pursuing the agenda of money and fame, all right? These guys wrap themselves up to look like sheep. Oh, that looks good. But guess what? I'm sorry to say, it's counterfeit. That's counterfeit. Don't be fooled. Don't get tricked by that. Jesus warned you. He said, watch out. They come to you in sheep's clothing. And look, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's all it, that's all it takes, right? To, to follow anybody that you see, or uh, author, or Christian leader. Yeah, they just say, Lord, Lord. Uh, be careful. Not only is Jesus' name easily hijacked, but the works that we see from people, they can, they can be counterfeit. They come to you in sheep's clothing, which is why Jesus says you got to look not at what their actions are, you got to look at the character of their lives. He calls this fruit. 
Are they peaceable? Are they patient? Are they kind? Are they hospitable? Do they have patience? Do they have self-control? Because you know, a, a rotten tree is not going to produce good fruit. And you can, you can tell what kind of tree it is by looking at the fruit. But sometimes you don't know until you see fruit. Right? I, I can't just look and spot a tree and tell you that, oh yeah, that's, that's an orange tree. Like I need to see an orange on it. I need to see the fruit and then I recognize what kind of tree it is. So be very careful because there's a counterfeit form of religion in our world today. All right, number one, the commandeering, right? Jesus' name is easily hijacked. Number two, the counterfeit, something that looks correct that isn't. And sometimes the wrong can easily look right. Number three, I put this down, the communion. A couple of words to define communion, right? Sharing, intimacy, friendship, fellowship. Look at verse 23. The essential, the non-negotiable part of being a Christian. In verse 23 he says, I tell them plainly, what's he say? I never what? Yeah, so what's essential? Church, you can, you can throw religion out. I don't care what church you came from. I don't care the practice of the hymns that you sing. I don't care what country you grew up in and, and, and the form of worship that you take. You know what I care about? Do you know Jesus? Do you know the King? Has He come to take control of your life? To dwell within you so that just like we can speak to one another, you indwelled with the Holy Spirit can speak to God? Because you know what that's called? That's called communion. That's sharing. That's intimacy. That's friendship. Depart from me, he says. I never knew you. I'm reminded of the difference between this relationship and the importance of it that we need to follow and works. I'm taking care of business by a story. You guys know the story of Mary and Martha? Remember these two sisters? One, uh, Jesus comes over to the house, and one of them is, oh, i got to get this ready. Clean this. Get out the spray. Don't put that there. And would you please take the trash? Right? Who's that? What's her name? Yeah, she, she, she's trying to do what? Impress Jesus with what? Yeah, look, look at all this. We're preparing for you. And how come no one's giving me any attention here? Look at the good that I'm doing here. I'm working so hard. And then Sister Mary. Where's Mary? I said to take the trash. Where is Mary? And where is Mary? She is pursuing a relationship. She knows what it's all about. None of Yeah, great, Martha. Thank you for taking it. But Jesus is here. That's what's most important. Jesus doesn't come in and just pay Martha attention to pat her on her back for all her hard work and effort. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is to be worshipped and adored because he's far more valuable than any good we could produce on our own. Yeah, there's a relationship that's essential. I wrote this down. I said, worship is the response of the heart towards unconditional allegiance by the whole person. You've got to catch that, all right? Worship is unconditional allegiance from the heart for the whole person, mind, will, Emotions and what? And body. You will, you will fail and you'll fall into religion if you make it only one or the other. Yeah, God, you got my mind, but 
body is mine, man. I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. You're going to miss worship. You could say, oh, I, I work for God and I, He's got my body, He's got my time, but I really don't care. He doesn't have my will. That's not true worship either. Mary is a perfect picture of that. And make sure you, we catch this too, because sometimes within denominations we think emotion is something that doesn't really belong. No, emotion is part of worship as well. It's a surrender of your whole life to find communion with God. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Because it's essential. Coming to church ain't going to get it done. Putting money in the plate doesn't matter at all. All God is concerned about is your heart. All right, lastly, I wrote this down. Conversion. Conversion is genuine change as seen by evidence. Insert the word fruit. Conversion. There's a difference between lip service to God's will and living out God's will. There's a difference. Did you see here in the text? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What's that? But lip service. Lord, Lord. Or, or, or producing your list of all the things. What were, what, look at the text again. What were the things that they were doing? Verse 22. Prophesying. <coughs> driving out demons. Who, who's doing that? Got anybody in here driving out demons? Look, you're not even matching up to these guys. Get with it, right? Or look at this one. Performing many miracles. Man, that's a pretty good list. I mean, i got to say, I don't even match up to those. Maybe prophesying a little bit, but my goodness, I mean, I'm not driving out demons or performing miracles. These guys had a really good list. And Jesus says, I'm not concerned about it. Don't matter at all. The heart is what matters. Conversion is what matters. Through evidence of fruit. There's a difference between lip service and living of God's will. Verse 21 gives us the answer. Don't miss it. Underline it if you got a Bible. Verse 21 not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. But who? But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And that's hard. Because God requires surrender. I want to share with you this quote from C.S. Lewis as I wrap things up. He's, he's speaking on the topic here of uh, giving over your natural self. Right? We understand what that means. It's the part of us that has such a hard time surrendering to God versus trying to earn it within our natural self. All right, here's what he says. As long as we're thinking that way, one or the other of two results is likely to follow. Either we will give up trying to be good. Have you ever tried to earn God's favor by working for Him and it's just not working out? Yeah, you might just... Ah, give it up. I'm giving it up. Or you may become very unhappy indeed. For make no mistake, if you are really going to try to meet all the demands made on the natural self, it will not have enough left over for you to live on. The more you obey your conscience, the more your conscience will demand of you. And your natural self, which is thus being starved and hampered and worried at every turn, will get angrier and angrier. Nobody's paying attention to me. Where is Mary? I'm working hard. And in the end, you'll either end up trying to be good or else you'll be like one of those people who, as they say, lives for others, but always in a discontented, grumbling way. Always wondering why the others don't notice it more. And always making a martyr of oneself. And once you become like that, you will be 
a far greater pest to anyone who has to live with you than you would have been if you had remained, frankly, selfish. (laughs) Here's what he says. He says, the Christian way is different. It's harder and easier. Christ says, give me all. Right? That was our song. Jesus is Lord of all. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment the natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it. I want to have it out completely. Hand over the whole natural self. All the desires which you think are innocent as well as the ones that you think are wicked. The whole outfit. And I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own shall become yours. He's right when he says that's easier and that's harder. Maybe you're here today and, and you know you got some form of religion hanging on. You're trying to make God proud of you by what you do. Jesus has some really strong words for people like that. And that's going to be hard for you to continue to live like that. You can't live like that. Instead, it's actually easier. You just give them everything. You give them everything. You you give them the good that you think you can do, and you give them the bad that you know that you're guilty of. You give them it all. And he'll say, yeah, I know you. I know you. We don't try to impress them with your works. We don't try to earn and manufacture righteousness. And the warning to the church has to be, because when you go home, you probably don't struggle as much, but see, we come into a place where somehow we think, now we got it together. I know this is true. I don't know who in here thinks this way, but I know it's true that some of us think, I went to church today, so I can watch the Packer game now. (laughs) That you think if you're kind of checking your spiritual box, God's not cool with that. He doesn't care. He wants you. So here's my application. Here's what you got to do with this. You ready? This is it. You got to answer a question. Quiz time. Ready? I'm going to give you a question. You have to answer it. It goes like this. Ready? God accepts me because blank. You got to fill in the blank. All right? God accepts me because I blank. Or because of what? And here's the answer to that question. Anything that you want to put in that blank other than the name of Jesus is religion. And I'm here to tell you this morning, watch out. Church, we've got to be careful with this. Churches grow stagnant and they die because they get locked into the formality of fooling themselves into thinking God's impressed because we lit the candles and listen to the preacher. And he's not. He's not impressed. He doesn't accept you because of that. He accepts you only, only because of Jesus Christ. Got to answer that question today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come and we confess to you that this is a hard lesson for us to learn. And if we don't think that it applies to us, God, I got to pray that your spirit will begin to move in our hearts, that you will show us the ways in which we think that we honor you apart from 
following the will of our Father in Heaven. Forgive us, God, for the way in which we try to earn your love. Have us to know that there is nothing that we can do on this earth to get you to love us any more than you already love us through your Son. And God, as you give us that vision, as you replace the manufactured form of righteousness within us with the true righteousness that comes as surrendered in a relationship with Jesus. Father, let us live with joy knowing that we no longer have to strive to earn your love, but you have lavished it upon us. May we leave today knowing that the benediction is true, that your face shines upon us because of Christ. And then have us to return back upon him every ounce of worship, every ounce of praise, every thanksgiving from our hearts. That we would bring glory to the King above all kings, to the Lord above all lords. And all God's children said together, Amen.